Yeah, let's run the out of the ball, baby. They're wrestling, so are we. Let's punch them in the mouth. Raise your glasses to kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sam Sinclair. With me, as always, today is Jake. Jake. Uh, did you sign your 10-year 10, 10 deal, $470 million contract the other day? Uh, no, I'm pushing for $600 million, Sam. I know my worth. I'm not playing for a penny less than $600 million. So you're I'm resetting put- the market, huh? Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. Pat Mahomes thinks he's hot stuff. Watch this. It's just amazing how these contract, uh, these quarterback contracts are it's, – it's, it's if Jacob Eason pans out, it's going to be insane what he gets in these next couple of years. The inflation is just incredible. It's, it's just insane with these. Chris Ballard would be better off just franchise tagging him for like five consecutive years. Yeah, yeah you might instead, as well do that. Instead of giving him $400 million. And part ownership I almost. I mean, he deserved the 10th pick in the draft, came in, MVP his first season. I mean, I'm happy as hell for the guy. I mean, he he earned it. He He's had a great young career so far. I hate that we just I was going to say it sucks. We got to deal with this guy for another 10 years. Yeah, the, the thing is, though, you know, we have to count our little blessings. And if there's a little blessing in this, Pat Mahomes is like 55 times more likable than Tom Brady is. So, you know, at least he's not a guy that I literally want to punch a hole in my television hmm. every time I watch him. So I'm actually happy for him. I'm, I'm glad he got the, the money he deserved. And like you said, it's, it's going to usher in a new era in sports, half a billion dollars, the first ever. And now you're going to see a lot of players really – really try to look at that as kind of like a benchmark, you know, later on, you know, down the line. It's not going to be half a billion, but, you know, obviously quarterback money is about to change. Yeah, it's, it was it was record-setting. And we Ursay talked about in the Angelo retirement speech that Andrew's walking away from at least a half a million dollars. And while it might not have been in one contract, it's just, it's just crazy to see that Patrick Mahomes got half a million and Angelo could have, Definitely gotten more than that. And that even takes you to this. I even said it wouldn't have surprised me if Angela got five years, $25 million or $250 million, and that would have been fully guaranteed contract. And I just – I wouldn't have been surprised by that at all. Don't worry about it, Sam. He's hiding out in a log cabin in the Netherlands somewhere. Hey, he isn't just, it – aren't divers um, expensive, though? Yeah, they are. I mean, but he just hasn't heard the news, man. Once he hears the news, he is going to sprint back to America as quick as he can. I don't think the messengers got there yet. I think it takes about three or four business days to get him, get to him. Jacoby Brissett will be quarterback four. I mean, it's cool. We'll be hmm. paying our quarterbacks like $800 million. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, it is the most important position in sports. You got to be prepared at all moments. Hey, Chris Ballard is over-prepared. Hey, he talks about prepared. He's, he's super prepared. But on the discussion of Chris Ballard, we're going to go through all the Colts offseason moves from the 2020. We're going to rank our best – uh, we're just going to do three on this, so we're going to go from three to one. Uh, so just a couple noble moves and draft picks that Ballard made over the offseason. Of course, the first one was the re-signing of Anthony Costanza to a two-year deal. Uh, then just right before the draft, actually, the Colts traded uh, the first-round pick, their 13th overall pick, uh, for all-pro DeForest Buckner and then signed him to a five-year deal worth about $20 million per year. They also signed uh, aging veteran Philip Rivers, Released Pierre Desir and opposite-wise signed Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey to one-year deals. Also signed uh, DeForest Buckner's 
teammate with the San Francisco 49ers and Sheldon Day to a one-year deal. Uh, and then also they went skill they went skill position players in the first two picks with Michael Pittman Jr., uh, the receiver from USC, and Jonathan Taylor from uh, running back from uh, Wisconsin. So Jake, uh, like I said, we'll rank our top three best offseason moves from the Colts uh, this 2020 offseason. Basically, how to describe to the listeners how we're going to rank these is basically how much of an impact is this player going to make day one. Is it, how big of an upgrade is it from the old position, or how much of an upgrade is it from that position from last year? And just the overall value, how good of a move money-wise and roster-wise, how good of a move was this? So, Jake, uh, I'll let you start off. I'll let you go uh, go ahead with your number three best move by the Colts in the 2020 offseason. I will go with Phillip Rivers and take all the hate that the Phillip Rivers detractors want to bring at me. I will go with Phillip Rivers at number three. Just because Frank Reich seems to feel very confident about this. Um, I don't think Chris Ballard could sit on his laurels after the season Jacoby Brissett had and look us in the eye and tell us they're trying to improve competition. Um, and so just from those two factors, I think that it was a great signing at an important position. They, wa- they aren't tied to him for multiple years, which I thought they were going to have to, which would have dropped the value of this significantly for me. But the fact that they only are tied to him for a year – Frank Reich seems to think that he can still be a very effective player. The fact that Chris Ballard went out and actually attempted to improve on this situation when a lot of fans were saying that it needed to be improved. It was nice to know that he saw that and backed up his, his uh, philosophy that there needs to be competition and improvement at every position. And it's the most important position in sports. And, you know, Phillip Rivers has recent seasons that have shown that he can be successful, still be a good quarterback. And, you know, I mean, honestly, Philip, uh, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard will kind of sink or swim this season with this move um, because we know you can't win without quality quarterback play. We saw that last year. And, you know, I, I think that they're putting their eggs in this basket. And, you know, I trust them. As of right now, they haven't given me any reason not to. So I am banking on Philip Rivers coming in, giving us solid production, giving us at least higher production than what we saw. If you saw the – you know, I mean, the thing that really kind of blew my mind about Jacoby is a lot of people can look at analytics, raw stats. There's so many different ways to dissect a season. And there's not a single defense that you could have given the type of season that he had, just the ineffectiveness in terms of, you know, yards per attempt, you know, the games where he had under 200 yards passing, just, you know, missing open guy. I mean, there was just no matter what you do, whether it's film breakdown, analytic charts, you know, raw stats, I mean, it was just a subpar season. And I think the Colts really, if they are serious about wanting to compete this season, they have to do something. And I think that this probably was the best move for them at the quarterback position because Phillip Rivers is still um, acclimated with Frank Reich. He knows that playbook. And I think that that's really going to pay dividends with with this uh, COVID-19 situation. They're not getting the OTAs and stuff in. So I think that it makes them look even better for going out to get him as opposed to a guy like Tom Brady. And to be honest, even though Phillip Rivers was not very good last year, you know, Tom Brady, I watched him in the playoffs and he was barely able to complete out routes. Like his arm is shot. Um, so I'll, I'll just take Frank Reich's word for it that Phillip Rivers still has that physicality to still be able to play this position at a high level. And I'll give Phillip Rivers my number three nod for the best offseason move. Yeah, I was actually wavering between my number three move and Phil Rivers, just because, like we've said, like we said before the before we got into this, was the, the quarterback position is the most important position in sports. And yep. you look at it, 
the Colts had 11 games last year of under 200 passing yards as an as an offense, and they had three games over 300 passing yards, and that's just that's just unacceptable. And they even had a stretch where I think it's about five games in a row of under 200 yards passing. And with Frank Reich as your offensive coordinator and your head coach, that's just unacceptable. I don't care who the quarterback is, and I don't care really who the receivers are. It, the passing offense just has to be a whole lot better this year. And I think bringing in Phillip Rivers, it's just going to be very interesting to see how much they put on his plate, like Pat, how many passing attempts he's going to have to do, how many deep shots he's going to have to do, how much they're going to just really put on his plate at the line of scrimmage. It'll be very interesting to see. Uh, and you and me talked about preseason before we got on the show. I, it'll be very interesting to see if they play, you know, one or two games, you know, if Rivers plays at all or very little. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much is he able to do with the offense. Thankfully, he knows probably majority of the offense, I would say. I think he's even said that he knows most of the offense already. So I think the familiarity is going to play a factor into this uh, on the good side. So, But my number three move I actually have was drafting Jonathan Taylor because you look at it here, yeah, you got Marlon Mack in here, but you look at the rushing offense from the Colts last year. They had – they had six games last year of over – or seven games, sorry. They had seven games last year of under 100 yards rushing, and they wanted to be a top five rushing offense. And you can't be a top five rushing offense with seven games of over – with under 100 ru- yards rushing. And, yeah, they had 264 against Jacksonville and 218 against the, Jack- the Panthers and 203 against the Chargers. But, you know, those weren't great run defenses, really. I mean, you look at the better run defenses that they played against, like Tampa Bay – and New Orleans, and Houston, and in uh, Oakland, and even Atlanta, you know, they, that's the games that they struggled in. And I think bringing Jonathan in, bringing in Jonathan Taylor, who I think might be a little bit better of his fit offensively for the Colts and how they want to run the ball, I think you're going to get a much more consistent factor or a much more consistent running game, which will actually help out Phil Rivers a little bit more because he won't have to, you know, throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. So I think if you get Jonathan Taylor in there. And he provides a more consistent factory. Hell, the Colts might have two a thousand yard rushers. And we asked, we talked about it on the last show with the offensive linemen how the Colts could pave the way for two thousand two a thousand yard rushers. And I would not be surprised uh, if the Colts end up doing that. And um, you just really look at this, Philip Rivers. This is possibly a one or two year deal for Jonathan Taylor, depending on his durability in his rookie deal. This could be a guy that could be for a Colt for at least the next five years. And I, I could say probably a top five running back in the league for the next five years. So I think long-term, I like this. I like that this drafting a little better than Phillip Rivers. It was also a lot cheaper than Phillip Rivers. But I just think overall, in the media impact, he's going to he's possibly going to be a thousand-yard rusher this year. That's why I've got that move uh, over the uh, Colts sign Phillip Rivers. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, he was an interesting draft pick for sure. I, I know they have a plan for him. They traded up to get him. Um, I like his talent a lot as well. So I, I think that he's going to be a really, really interesting guy to watch to see what their plans are for him this season. So going to your number two. My number two is the acquisition of DeForest Buckner. You know, and a big thing for me that I had harped on towards the end of the season when we were talking a lot on the show was Chris Ballard. Listen, it's great to draft well. It's, it's very important to draft well. But at some point, you have to find a way to acquire blue chip talent to be able to take your team to the next level. And I think that that trade 
really twofold. Number one, you got a blue chip player. And number two, it showed me that Chris Ballard is very aware of that fact. And it really brings me a lot of He must peace. have been listening to the pod. Let's be real here. <laughs> he, he's our number one fan, that's for sure. He was following my advice. You guys are welcome. I got us to Forrest Buckner. But he, you know, the thing that I worried about with Chris kind of, you know, internally is, you know, sometimes guys have a philosophy and it becomes a detriment. You know, and I think that with Chris Ballard, kind of what I wanted is, you know, is this a guy that's just every year going to be like, I'm going to get 10 draft picks. I'm going to get all the darts on the board. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, and it's just like. draft all the offense and defensive linemen. Darius Leonard isn't going to pop up in the draft every year, you know, and I think that at some point you have to risk some of that draft capital to get a blue chip player. And what made this such a grand slam acquisition is you only traded one draft pick. DeForest Buckner was the seventh overall pick. He came into the league and did nothing but dominate, turn into an all-pro, and you trade a lower draft pick than he was drafted. And, and he's only 26. He's only 26. He's in the prime of his career. Like, the, when we talk about this, every time we talk about it, I continue to be shocked by the fact that we only had to give up a number 13 overall pick. And you really you, think about it, comparing it – more than likely, it looked like it was going to be Javon Kinlaw at that 13th pick if the Colts kept it. You don't know about Javon Kinlaw. He had that injury, you know, at the combine, and who knows, maybe that played into the Colts trading for Buckner. But there was no slam dunk. You know, Kinlaw was going to even be half as good as what DeForest Buckner has already been. So I think, you know, just you talk about safe picks, and I think especially in the first and second round, you want to do safe picks because those are the guys you need to hit on. I think – Trading that 13th pick for DeForest Buckner was probably the safest pick you could have made in the whole draft. Yeah, you know what he is. I mean, you ju- we just watched him two months prior to this trade being happened absolutely wreck the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I mean, the Chiefs end up winning that game because Mahomes is 20 times better than Garoppolo, but you saw <laughs> Buckner did his part. I mean, he was in the backfield constantly. I mean, it, and it's crazy that we made that move and that Ballard talked about that, that game specifically because – I remember watching that game thinking, man, this is what Chris Ballard talks about. He needs a guy like DeForest Buckner. And two months later, we, he's on our roster now. So I think that just for Chris Ballard to be able to only trade one first-round pick for an all-pro that's in his prime at a spot that if any, anybody that listens to Chris Ballard's press conferences or interviews, dude, he always brings us up. I mean, just even unprompted, he says, we need a three-tech. Three-tech drives this. Three-tech, three-tech, three-tech. And he talks about it all the time. And he got one of the best in the – probably the second best three-tech in the league, one of the best defensive tackles in the league, a dominant, dominant player in the prime of his career. He fits everything they want in terms of character. And guys like Buckner just usually don't become available. So, you know, it's just – it's just I feel like it was a great, great acquisition for Chris Ballard. I feel like they got good value. You know, they, they, they gave him a hefty price tag. But, I mean, come on, you, you have a guy that's as good He's as he is. probably going to be underpaid soon. Because I I also think a lot of people probably could compare that deal to like edge rushers, you know, like T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt and guys like that. So I think in the next, you know, two in the in the contract, I believe it de-escalates the cap hit. So I I think in the next, you know, two or three years, he's going to be severely underpaid. That's what happens with everybody, right? I mean, at the time, people complain. I remember when Andrew Luck got his extension. Um, and a lot of Colts fans were complaining, he hasn't even been to a Super Bowl yet. What has he done to earn this extension? And by the time he retired, he was like the 10th highest paid quarterback. Yeah, I think, like, Mahomes, I think Mahomes' injury settlement was $140 million. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just I feel like the fans kind of overreact to this because by the time the contract is up, he's going to be somewhere in the top 10, like lower end of the top 10 in terms of interior defensive linemen. You know, uh, I just think that people overreact to that aspect of it. You, They gave him a fair contract. You know, I don't feel – I didn't look at that contract. I was like, ooh, wee, they kind of they went overboard here you a paid, little bit. You paid him number two – I think he's the number two defensive lineman, or at least interior-wise, per year. And that's what he's ranked. That's how well, good he is. He's the second-best He's the second best interior defensive lineman in the league, right behind Aaron Donald. And you paid him as such. That's what, and that's what Boward preaches. You know, if you're exactly. this good, we're going to pay you this good. And, and it, it just goes to show that Chris Ballard knows what he's doing because he talks about that all the time. The, the, the player you mean to tell to me play. that drafting two all-pros and Chris Ballard doesn't know what he's doing? Stop well, it. I mean, some people some people say that's all he's done as a general manager. That he's only he's only drafted those two, and everything else has been you know a bust. But I think people really overlook the fact that this guy talks about the player has to be right, the position has to be right, the money has to be right. And look at this is the type of move that he's talking about. He got a good trade with that number with that first round pick. He got a, a fair contract. He got a player to premium position with the character. It's literally what he talks about all the time. And I think that it's just so great to have those, those confirmations that he is going to follow what he has because so many GMs in this league just kind of run around like chickens with their heads cut off and they'll say one thing and do another because they go into panic mode or, you know, their, their, their philosophies aren't set in stone the way Chris Ballard is, but he knows what he's doing. He knows the direction he wants to go in. And I just think it was a great change of pace, not even just acquiring the player of Buckner, but the fact that he was willing to part with that first-round draft pick when he holds those picks so dear to him. I think it was a great sign that he is willing to do what it takes to win and then he understands that, hey, yes, draft picks are great, but at the end of the day, you have to have blue-chip players on your roster. And that was one big thing going into the offseason for me. And to see him be able to acquire a guy like that really, really made me happy. And I'm so excited to see Buckner come out next season. Yeah, DeForest Buckner was actually my number one on my rankings. But I just see you, – you let me look at the overall impact of that, of that, of that trade and the signing. Darius Sunder's going to have a whole lot more lanes to run through because Buckner's going to be – you know, he's going to be taking up lanes in the hole. Justin Houston's not going to be double teamed as much. Kamoka Toure's not going to be double teamed as much. Whoever else is playing on defensive line is, you know, is not going to get as much attention. I, I, the, the, the three tech, as we, I'm going to say it, drive, literally drives this defense because, you know, if you've got a dominant three tech like the Colts had in 2006 when they had Booger McFarlane, you know, it frees up the edge guy. It frees up the edge guys. The interior guy takes up the blockers inside, so it allows the linebackers to run in space. And I just look at it. Interior pressure. We talked about it during the middle of the season, how the Colts are getting no interior pressure, and that's the reason why teams are able to complete, you know, 70, 75% of their passes because quarterbacks are able to drop back and make an easy, clean throw. But you get 6-7 to Forrest Buckner in your face, you know, passes are going to get tipped, passes are going to get rushed. And, you know, when you're in a zone defense, all you got to do is jump those passes, and it creates turnovers. And I think just the overall impact of what DeForest Buckner is going to bring not just to the defensive line, but to the linebackers and to the secondary. It's just bounceable. I think it's just – that's why I've got him ranked number one on my list at least. And, and if you look at – to kind of put it into perspective what this means, look at the Colts defense before and after Kamoko Ture went down. And a lot of people kind of talk about the decline. It was tied a lot to the fact that they lost the pressure rate of Kamoko Ture. He was one of the highest – 
percentages in terms of pressure rate among all defensive ends in the league. And when they lost that, the defense was completely different. It was now like a pitcher imagine- losing a fastball, basically. Exactly. And when you look at when you look at adding a player with the talent of Buckner, it's no it's no disrespect to Kamoko Ture because I love him. I'm, he's one of the guys I'm super excited about on this team, but he's nowhere near DeForest Buckner. And now you're throwing a, a pass rusher like DeForest Buckner. I mean, you talk about eating up blocks and pressures. This dude gets home at a high rate. I mean, this guy is a premier pass rusher for a defensive tackle. He's not just eating up two blockers and, and driving into the pocket. This guy gets home. And this guy has elite quickness, elite strength. I mean, he's just going to cause havoc. And I think people are going to see the stark difference. Look at what Kamoko Ture's loss did. Imagine what the addition of DeForest Buckner is going to do in terms of giving those defensive backs, like you said, the chance to quickly jump on passes, not have a quarterback sit back there and tear you apart. Um, You know, and that's what happens in this type of defense when you don't have the pass rush and you don't have that pressure. And DeForest Buckner is by far, even as a defensive tackle, the most talented pass rusher we have on the roster now until Kamoko Ture proves that, you know, he can be the 10 sack defensive end that we believe he can be. Right now, DeForest Buckner is by far the best pass rusher we have on the defensive line. So I think that that it's just really going to shock fans. I think that fans are super excited, but I don't, I haven't seen people really grasp the amount of difference it's going to make in terms of, the, the defense that held Kansas City to a, a super low score versus the team that gave up, you know, 40-something points to Tampa Bay or whatever crazy amount it was. Like, this, the difference is going to be that extreme that I think fans are really going to look back on this and say, man, this was a franchise-altering trade that it really does make all the difference on that side of the ball. And I know it's not a fair comparison, really, because the 49ers had an elite, elite defense. But if you really think about it, and I uh, watched the 49ers all last year because they were on a lot. It, I even texted you this uh, during the year. I was like, man, getting a three-yard gain on them was like getting a 20-yard gain on them. It just seemed like it was darn near impossible to get any kind of yards on them. And I just think that's how the Colts defense is somewhat going to be this year. Because if you, you you look at that that front four that the 49ers had, they had Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, even Sheldon Day, Eric Armstead, D. Ford. I mean, if the Colts can get – you're not going to get anything like that on their defensive line. But if you can get something similar to that, it's just going to be – it's really going to catapult the Colts' defense into probably being a consistent top-10 unit. And I think you know, that's – I was just looking at the 49ers. I think that could be a comparison the Colts could have is just, you know, a dominant front four and a really a really good uh, front seven to where it's just impossible for teams to move the ball on them. Well, I think on top of that, it really gives you three guys moving into the future that you can be really excited about. You have Grover Stewart, who we've talked about, and, and you know, some of our really good – I really uh, don't think we haven't talked about him enough, actually. Well, the, and, you know, we have some some guys that, you know, that represent Colts Twitter well with some of their analysis videos that have given this guy his due um, in terms of him being a really underrated piece of this defense moving forward. But, you know, you have Grover Stewart that's going to be lining up next to DeForest and then obviously you have DeForest and then Kamoko Ture. That gives you a really nice, exciting young nucleus to be excited about on that defensive line. And then, you know, we'll see what Ben Banigou can do. You know, there's, there's some guys that kind of in the mix there. Is Taekwon Lewis maybe, you know, live up to his draft billing if he slide, is able to slide out to kind of that, you know, strong side defensive end, um, you know, run setting edge guy. You know, I mean, there, there's other guys there to be excited about as well. But 
we've seen the flashes from Ture. We've seen how dominant Buckner can be. And, and Grover Stewart really took his game to a next level last year and proved, I think, that he's a starter in this league. So, you know, that gives you three guys to be excited about on a very critical uh, section of the defense. So, and Buckner really ties all that together. It's, it's a lot like Quentin Nelson. I mean, you had some guys on the offensive line to be excited about, right? You had Anthony Costanzo, you had Ryan Kelly, but you needed a guy that could really tie it all together and be that anchor. And I, I think that's what Buckner's going to do. And he's going to do a lot like what Quentin Nelson did to the offensive line, take kind of talented parts and tie it into a dominant unit. And when you add a guy like Buckner into that unit, it's going to take talented parts and tie it into a dominant unit. So, you know, again, it's, it's something that's been talked about a lot, but I just, you know, maybe, maybe I'm reading the room wrong, but from what I gather, it's more just like, oh, we got an elite player. I just don't think that people are really kind of giving that factor of how it's going to turn the entire defensive around its due. But that's why he was my number two uh, acquisition because he was just he was just a grand slam acquisition for Chris Ballard. Like you said, it was safe. It gave us a blue chip player in his prime. So he, he definitely is a guy that I'm going to be watching and excited to see uh, come September. I'm actually surprised he's number he's your number two. Well, who's your number one? I'm gonna guess. Or I I already probably know who it is. Oh, it's it's got to be Anthony Costanzo. I mean, it, it it's it's easy because you know I mean the difference. And and listen, adding Buckner is great, but the thing is, when you sign Philip Rivers, when you have a, a the backup tackle is Laraven Clark. Hmm. Um, you know, you would have had to invest severe draft capital in a position where. Now, instead of drafting Michael Pittman or Jonathan Taylor, now you're drafting a tackle. And I think it was a much bigger domino effect had Anthony Costanzo not come back than if we had acquired Buckner. I think Buckner's a, clearly a better player, you know, a more dominant player than Costanzo. But I think that, you know, Costanzo's playing great football. He's also at a premium position. You know, having him next to Quentin Nelson is still, you know, I mean, Quentin Nelson's an all-pro, but he's still young. And I think Quentin Nelson has himself talked about the importance of having Anthony Costanzo next to him. And, you know, if, if Anthony Costanzo doesn't resign, you know, how does the Philip Rivers thing shake out? I mean, do, do Chris Ballard and Frank feel confident in bringing Philip Rivers on if they have a rookie left tackle? I mean, it could have, it could have really dominoed a lot of things this offseason. I think just bringing him back really helps change that whole dynamic on the offensive line and, and prevented us from having a number one large fall off at that position and number two, having to invest and scramble elsewhere to try to fill that role. Yeah. That's kind of what I was worried about with Costanzo is just, you know, there was no real clear answer behind him. It was either Raven Clark, or like you said, it was probably investing 34 or 44 in a left tackle. And even then, you know, it's, there's still, a, there's still an integration period from, you know, going from spread offenses in college to an NFL pro-style offense. And Frank Reich even says it. He's even said it, you know, whenever Anthony Costanza retired, when he, I think it was at the end of the year, right when he resigned, he said, you know, when I got Anthony Costanza out there, I don't have to worry about anything else. I just tell him, hey, you got that guy, block him for me. And they, they, you don't have to worry about protections at all on that side. I mean, you, you will send chips, but you don't have to worry about it as bad as you would you know, like a Raven Clark or like a rookie or like anybody else. And so if you're able, I've got, I actually had Costanza at number two on my list, but I can agree with you. I, who knows if Philip Rivers signs here, if Anthony Costanza doesn't come back, because I would almost argue that Anthony Costanza and, and Quentin Nelson are the anchor of this offensive line. Absolutely. It, 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 yeah. And I, I mean, that's the thing is, 
you know, Costanzo is the elder statesman. He is the guy that, like you said, I love that point you brought up that Frank Wright can leave him out there. Like you can focus on other stuff. Anthony Costanzo has got his part. He's going to shut that side down. He's got this, you know, and they, they kind of do the same. They put a similar type of stress on Braden Smith. You know, they really expect a lot out of him, I think, especially considering how young he is. But, you know, with Costanzo, I mean, he's almost always one-on-one, no matter who it is. They put him out there on an island. And, and I, you know, he's probably the most underrated player on this team, you know, from an outside perspective. Um, you know, and even some of our fans really don't give him his due. But, you know, he's really a high, high-quality left tackle. And like I said, it's just the domino effect would have just been on a different level than – if we don't trade for DeForest Buckner, it's like – like you said, there's other options there. Do you draft Hargrave? You know, you can trade back. You can do – I mean, if DeForest Buckner doesn't come here, it sucks because I love having him. But, you know, if Costanzo leaves, then all of a sudden you're looking for a left tackle. You're trained draft capital. You're, you know – And I would say – I would even say left tackle might be even more premium position than defensive tackle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because, because again, that not, not only affects that position, but it affects the most important position in football and in sports, which is the quarterback. I mean, you know, to have that type of security on the left side for your quarterback is absolutely vital. And, you know, if you don't have that, it's a domino effect. Like I said, that's, that's, the, that's kind of the, the theme for this is him retiring affects so much more than if, if Buckner's not brought here. And that's, that's kind of why he leapfrogged him, just because, you know, he, he's coming back. And I think he's committed to multiple years. And, and that, that really makes That was pretty good. big, too. Yeah. I mean, I two years. He sounds, he sounds confident that he wants to play multiple years. Um, you know, but worst case scenario, you know, now at least you, you've got – you were able to bring in guys like Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, who you wouldn't have been able to bring in if he, if he doesn't resign because that's, that's spent elsewhere. So it allowed us to delay kind of the inevitable of, of having to replace him. And now, even if you need a tackle going forward, at least, at least you can draft one in the second, third, fourth round and kind of develop behind him as opposed to, okay, who in the top half of the first round do we have to target to come in and be a day one starter? Now next year in the draft, they can really prioritize kind of a, kind of a, a developmental tackle to go behind him. And it really, like I said, it's just a snowball effect of, of how it affects this team that he re-signed here. And it, it, it impacts us in the immediate term, because if he doesn't come back, I'm telling you right now, this team isn't, isn't even sniffing Super Bowl contention talk, because again, I don't think Phillip Rivers signs here and it changes the whole dynamic of the offensive line. Because like you said, it's either the Raven Clark or a rookie, which is a devastating drop off. Mm-hmm where he's at so you know this team is is a completely different outlook if he doesn't sign if he doesn't re-sign so you know it affects us in the immediate it affects us in the long term and and it's just a real sigh of relief that Anthony Costanzo decided to return because he is a key key element to what we want to do offensively just like Frank Reich said you know it, it opens up the tight ends it opens up the running backs they don't have to worry about keeping guys in it's a, it's a huge huge deal to have him back here uh, for next season and hopefully beyond that. Yeah, and really committing committing for two years was, I think, a lot, you know, a lot more surprising than I thought it would be because I really thought it was going to be a one and done year. But like like you said, they're going to be able to groom a guy, um, and they're going to be able to hopefully draft a guy next year or even sign someone or trade for someone. So that'll be very interesting. Um, before we go, I just wanted to let you guys know about Roster Guy Sports, our new sponsor, um, fan, unique fan interactions and. Uh, unique perspectives on all the sports you guys love. And, of course, if you're an interested sports writer, 
Uh, make sure you DM them on Twitter or Facebook at roster guy, at roster guy. Uh, and they'll get you going on your writing journey. Um, I got started with them and I really liked um, being with them at the time. So make sure you guys check them out uh, for all your sporting content. So um, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming on. We hope you, have good, you guys have a good rest of the day.